What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And today we are going to be answering your questions. So we're coming at you Q&A style. We have about, how many is that? Like 15? 47. Nope, not that many. We have like 15 different questions that you guys submitted. I threw up a little Q&A sticker on my Instagram. She and threw up a little. What? You threw up a little. I, gosh. So I threw up a, now you have me all messed up. I threw up a Q&A sticker on my Instagram. You guys submitted these questions just about training and nutrition, and they were actually all really great. Um, some of them are a little bit individualized, so we'll try to get through them in a general way and from a general perspective, but I think that these are questions that I get a lot, so way to show up, you guys. That was really awesome. Starting off, I've always been focused on dieting, but now I want to bulk mass. How does that work? So I find, and this was from a female um, individual, and I find that females in general are kind of turned off to bulking or massing, which is another term for bulking. And it's just because we have this idea that getting bulky is a bad thing. Um, But I don't want you to think of bulking as you're going to get all juiced up and bulky (laughs) with your muscles. As females, we naturally cannot get like that. Um, But there is a right and a wrong way to go about bulking. I've only done one real bulk in my fitness journey. And I will say during that time, I got super, super strong. Um, I did have a little bit of extra fat mass on that kind of made me uncomfortable at first, but I realized that I needed to gain that muscle and gain it in an efficient way to get to that next level of strength. So why don't you kind of bring them through? Because I know you've done a bulk correctly and incorrectly too. So why don't you talk them through your experience with it? There's no such thing as an incorrect bulk. It's well, a less efficient, dirty bulk. Yeah, less efficient bulk. Dirty, dirty, fluffy bulk. Um, so my lifelong goal was to be 225 pounds, and I absolutely made that happen in San Diego, just not the way that I envisioned. Um, I didn't get fat, but I was definitely a lot fluffier than I wanted to be. And looking back on it, I obviously... I'm a little more advanced. I'm not a newbie as far as training, so I you can't really gain a pound of muscle a week anymore. That kind of stops after the first year. Um, so now I realize you want to keep things more efficient. You go closer to a half a pound, even less than that per per week, and just focus on your strength progressions. But initially, my goal was just to eat, 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 and it worked, and I got bigger, and I got stronger, and, and that was fine. It just, when I was cycling back to going back into a deficit, there was a lot more work to do. I ended up cutting down to 177, so I never in a million years would have thought I had 50 pounds to lose at any point in time, but I did, and uh, it was a learning experience. So going from that point, being that lean, you actually rebound pretty well, so the first you know, couple months coming off of getting super, super, super lean, you actually do have a great response to adding muscle mass. So doing it the right way, again, I cycled back, thought about you know, what I do wrong the first time, I gained too fast. So I ended up aiming for a half a pound a week. I was okay if I came in under that amount. Um, but again, I just focus on getting stronger each and every week because if you're gaining weight and you're not getting stronger, you're not adding muscle, you're just getting fat. Um, so Take that time to really pay attention to your programming. Make sure there's enough volume in there. Make sure you're progressing week to week, program to program over that longer duration. Because if something happens where you're no longer progressing in that regard, 
then you're no longer adding that muscle. So you just have to be really, really patient and understand how to do things the right way. Um, and then as far as just transitioning from being in a deficit to in going into a bulk, you want to take some time to reestablish your maintenance baseline. Um, so bring yourself out of that deficit slowly. You can start with, you know, a couple hundred calories see if you maintain over the next couple weeks and then focus on, okay, how much more should I add from here? Am I gaining? Am I, am I maintaining really well? Am I still losing weight? Um, and then, then let that kind of dictate where you're going to start with that first adjustment. And I want to talk about the mindset side of things too. So as a female who has up until now always been focused on seeing that scale number decrease, seeing that number go up can kind of be scary. But like Josh said, as long as you're doing it in a manner where your weekly average weight is going up about a half a pound per week, that's a good rate of weight gain to really maximize this muscle gain phase. So you know, at the end of the day, you have to kind of separate those emotions from the scale. This is something we work on with all of our clients and really teaching them how to, you know, really reflect on those weight fluctuations. So don't compare the day-to-day -day numbers. It's going to go up and down maybe a little bit more than usual just because you are eating more food. Um, so take that weekly average and track your progress that way. All Next right. up, is nutrient timing important? Why, why do you get to read the questions every time I want to read it? Well, because you didn't tell me that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So in regards to nutrient timing... I kind of like to reference that pyramid. So on the bottom of the pyramid, it's the most important. We're looking at calories. One step up, a little less important is macros. The next step up from there, a little less important than that is nutrient timing. So with nutrient timing, it's something where we focus on picking something that you can do and you can maintain within your lifestyle. That's not going to be you know, something you have to go back and forth on every other week or every other day and you're just not able to stick to it. But if you can set up a plan, the ideal circumstance is you're consuming um, you know, roughly if you're a male, 40 to 50 grams of protein every three to four hours. If you're a female, 20 to 30 grams of protein every three to four hours. Um, so that typically ends up being divided among four or five meals throughout the day. And what's that, what that's doing is maximizing muscle protein synthesis. So muscle protein synthesis is the process where your body converts amino acids into muscle mass. Um, and it peaks at about three hours. So once that starts going down, we want to ramp that back up. So that's where what that's what happens when you're hitting it every three hours um, with meal timing. As far as you know, getting those carbs and fats balanced out throughout the day in, in regards to timing, that's more related to performance. So if your calories are lower, you're going to want to stack carbs pre and post workout, and you can taper those off throughout the day, um, and then kind of go inversely with carbs and fats. So if your carbs are higher one meal, drop the fats. Once the fats come down, bring um, once the carbs come down, bring the fats back up. But that's really only if you're in a deficit and you need to prioritize those nutrients around your training. If you're in a surplus or at maintenance and your calories are at a sufficient level, that doesn't become as important. Yeah, I think nutrient timing is one of those things that a lot of people get really caught up in right off the bat. And, you know, you kind of have to earn your right to nutrient timing. So if you're somebody who's not even tracking macros or you have no idea what you're eating, don't even worry about nutrient timing right now. Worry about being consistent with your daily intake, your weekly intake, um, and you know, think of it this way. So nutrient timing is one of those smaller rocks. We want to focus on the bigger rocks first, get consistent with those, and those bigger rocks are you know, tracking your macros, hitting your macros, hitting your calories, drinking your water, getting your biofeedback right, and once you're consistent there, then add it in. So it's not something that you need to do right off the bat, especially if you're already overwhelmed with everything else going on, um, but it 
like Josh said, it can be something that can be beneficial in certain phases or if you're somebody who's already very consistent with their nutrition. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you want to be a couple percent better, you can absolutely fine tune to that level. Do you want to read the next yes, question? Yes, I want to read the next one. Okay, so how would you suggest someone to start tracking macros effectively? Do you have any resources? Um, as far as an app, I would go with My Macros Plus. We've just found that to be the most accurate and the easiest to use. You can put in recipes. So one of the biggest struggles people have is, you know, if they're creating these recipes, they're not sure how to track everything when it all gets mashed together. And uh, this app lets you do that and divide that amongst the serving portion sizes and uh, total servings. So. And it also is more geared towards macros opposed to My Fitness Pal, which is more focused on overall calories and activity like how many calories you burn which i really don't like it for that reason um but my macros is something we've been using for years now and it takes a little bit of getting used to especially if you're coming from my fitness pal but we do highly recommend it just for that reason it's more specific to macros um i would say that we do have a couple resources as far as how to get started with macros wouldn't you agree funny you ask we did just launch a master of macros course nutrition course it's an online video course and basically it walks you through everything that we do with our clients so if you're somebody who either isn't ready for a coach or you kind of want to do this on your own or just learn about it and understand the, the main concepts that we follow right um this is something we created to educate you guys so it's very in-depth i think there's seven six or seven video modules and we go through everything from how to set your macros how to adjust them based on what your goals are are whether that be fat loss or muscle gain um, when to adjust them which is a big question and kind of confusing for a lot of people so you know something that a lot of people don't really realize is once you figure out what your macros are they're going to need to be adjusted if you have goals of fat loss or muscle gain. You're not just at those magical set of numbers for the rest of your life, um, and they're going to change based on what you've got going on. So we kind of walk you through everything, um, how to reverse diet, different questions our clients ask us all the time. It's just an overall very in-depth course to just give you everything you need as far as macros. You mentioned reverse, I'm sorry, uh, muscle gain and fat loss, but we also have reverse dieting in there. Um, for the low calorie homies who want to get their lives back uh, and there are also pdf sheets so for those of you who learn best from reading you can go through the videos and then at the end of each video you'll be able to see a link for the pdf so you can read through there so if you are interested in that it's on our website sd-evolution.com um, it's currently still on discounted pricing no it won't it's not it won't be until the end of the month closer to fourth of july okay so stay tuned for that um, okay, your turn. How can I be sure what I'm eating is right, fueling my body right? So this is a question I think a lot of people ask if they've never tracked macros or they aren't really sure, you know, what what they're doing as far as nutrition goes. And how we like to approach macros, we use macros as a tool to educate you on what your body needs to thrive in and out of the gym and what your personal body needs as far as fuel goes. So even if you don't have long-term goals of tracking your macros, doing so for even just like a month or two can give you so much knowledge and education as far as what your body needs to actually feel good. So I know it can be kind of scary and intense to jump into tracking and weighing out all your food but if you approach it from the perspective of you're doing it temporarily to educate yourself it can just it, it can just teach you so much 
And on top of that, I would say, you know, if you're not feeling great, then you're probably not fueling your body right. So what we focus a lot on with our clients is biofeedback so that I have them track their sleep, stress, soreness, energy levels, hunger levels throughout the day. When those things are thriving is typically when you see results that are sustained and efficient. When those things start burning out is typically when you're in a plateau or there's going to be a plateau coming up pretty soon and then you want to implement something else to combat those things. So if you're not going to write them down, at least pay attention to them. Maybe journal them if you can. Place a rating of 1 through 10 on them like we have our clients do. But if you don't feel good and those things aren't thriving, you're probably doing something you know, less than optimal. Next question. I switched to mindful eating and I work out Monday through Friday, but I'm still not seeing results. How come? So obviously we're missing a lot of information here, but just based on what what you gave us here, I would say, you know, first and foremost, what results are you trying to see? So I'm going to assume that you are trying to see fat loss progress or maybe progress in the gym. So a few things can be going wrong here. Number one, In my perspective, mindful eating is something that you earn through tracking macros. And again, maybe you have tracked macros in the past, um, but approaching your food from a mindful perspective can look a little bit different for everybody. And you have to really be paying attention to those hunger cues and having those self-checks with your body, you know, before a meal, during a meal, after a meal, throughout your day, and making sure that hunger levels are where they need to be to align with your goals. And as far as workouts go, you can be exercising till the cows come home, but if you're not following a progressive overload-based program or some type of quality training program, you're not going to get results of muscle gain or just results in general. You're kind of just you know, working out for health purposes, which is fine, but if you have specific goals, that progressive overload-based program is going to be key. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line to walk. So, you know, when you're utilizing mindful eating, intuitive eating, and just kind of going through the flow at the gym, you can make good decisions and you can be healthy in general, but to see those changes, you have to be super dialed in. So if you're not seeing those results, I'd recommend going back to tracking at least for like a month or so. And, you know, obviously with the training as well, and then kind of pay attention to what you've been doing, scale it back, focus on, you know, one on track day a week, two on track days a week, and just build up with an additional day each week um, so that you don't have to focus on weighing everything out and doing everything like that for the long term, but you are, you know, moving towards those goals. And something else you can also do too, as far as tracking goes, you don't have to track everything down to the gram. Let's say you just track protein and overall calories just to kind of get a ballpark of where you're at and let carbs and fats fall where they may. That can be a great way to kind of let go of that um, strictness of tracking and still have an idea of where you're coming in. So tracking doesn't have to be all or nothing, which I think a lot of humans just have that all or nothing mentality as it is. And that's something that we try to help encourage you guys to get comfortable in that gray area and don't look at everything from a black or white perspective. Next up, how can I naturally get omegas? I hate fish. Fish is definitely an ideal source of omegas. You're going to get the most quality and the most you know bang for your buck from fish, but it's not the only thing that you can do. So you have chia seeds, you've got hemp seeds, flax seeds, um, several nuts like walnuts, things like that. And then I actually prefer krill oil over actually taking the fish oil. Um, it just tends to be a little more bioavailable. It's not as bioavailable as eating it from a natural food source, 
um, but your body does tend to utilize that a little bit better from krill oil. So you've got some options. Fish is obviously the top choice there, but you're not limited and you're not you're stuck away from those omegas without them. Do you need to consume protein immediately after a workout via a protein shake? Um, so this, I think, has been dubbed like the window of gains. Is that what it is? Anabolic window. window. Um, it's a myth. I think back in the day before we had enough research, it used to be something that coaches and people would strive to push you towards, but you do not need to need to consume a protein shake right after your workout unless i would say you are working out fasted so if you wake up and you just have some um, branch chain amino acids or even if you don't have anything and you work out then i would suggest having a protein shake which is going to be the fastest digesting way to get into your body Um, but if you're somebody who either works out after eating or you know you work out later in the day you don't have to have a shake right after when you call it a myth, that's more the level of importance that it's been perceived to have. So it is falling in that same line as nutrient timing. Um, research has shown there is a potential for a marginally better um, adaptation. Again, not utilizing that muscle you know, anabolic window term, but it can be adapted a little bit better by taking it immediately after your workout, finding from a, from a fast digesting protein source. But it's not critical. The most important thing is that you're taking in the total needed throughout the entire day. So not the end of the world. It's not as important as it's been made to seem unless you are eating fat or working out fasted. Um, but it can, you know, let's say another 2% be a little, another 2% effective if that's what we're looking at. Yeah, I think, you know, going off of this question and the one earlier, it's really common for a lot of you guys, and I'm not like saying it's a bad thing. It's just what the information that you're given from influencers or from other people that you follow. Um, It's really common to focus on these smaller, not as important parts of your nutrition and fitness journeys. Um, I think that when you have all of this information and you're focusing on all of these different things, it can really overcomplicate a basic nutrition um, guideline for you. So just a reminder that, you know, take a step back and ask yourself, is this something that I really think is going to make a big difference in my journey? Or can I focus on other things in the meantime and maybe work my way up to that if I do deem that important, if that makes sense? How can you eat the same amount on non-training days and still lose weight? So I think it's important to remind you guys that calories are something that are essential. We need them to survive. We don't just consume calories based on our workouts or because we worked out for that day. Um, You know, we get caught up in the mindset that calories are almost a bad thing, but we need fuel to feel good throughout the day, to sleep well, to have solid energy levels, to manage our hunger levels, um, to keep our stress lower. So think of calories as something that's good. I want you to just switch that perspective right off the bat and think about them as something that allows you to be your best self every day. So with that said, it's important to still consume enough food on your non-training days um, just because for me personally at least, when I don't eat enough on my rest days, my training session the following day suffers. So I know that is an individual thing and there are people who do thrive on cycling those carbs or cycling those calories but at the end of the day it just depends on you being in a caloric deficit throughout the whole week yeah it comes down to your weekly intake so you can kind of divide those out however you want 
Um, whatever works best for you, it's it's tough to say which one is better than the other. It's completely individualized. So as long as your weekly calories keep you in a caloric deficit, you're going to lose weight regardless of whether you have linear targets where they're the same every single day throughout the week or if you are cycling. Is a push-pull split or a full body split more effective? Again, I would call this individualized. So the concept with First of all, the concept of breaking away from the bro splits where you're just hammering one body part one time per week with insane amounts of volume. Um, The reason it's kind of been trending away from doing things like that is because you want to break it up a little more to allow for a little more quality sets. So what I mean by quality sets is if you're doing, you know, six different exercises on one chest day a week, that third, fourth, fifth exercise, sixth exercise are going to suffer a little bit because you've been crushing it. Your body's already fatigued. You just don't have the same volume output at the end of that as you did when you started. So let's say you move that to a push-pull split or even a full body split. You're cutting that per workout volume in half. So you're getting three really good exercises, high quality sets within those, even sometimes two, depending on how you have it split down. Um, And you can just hit it at a higher intensity. So in regards to a push-pull split or a full body being more effective, I wouldn't compare them versus each other it's more preference on what you enjoy. Can you fit your schedule around full body? Full body is typically gonna be at least four, sometimes five or six days per week. Um, Push, pull, legs up or lower is typically a five day split. What I'm doing right now is actually a four day split. It's push, pull, push, pull, but I do legs every day. Or not every day, but every workout. So it really comes down to how you feel best dividing that volume. As long as you're recovering well, you're progressing over time, the actual split doesn't matter a whole lot. It's just what works best for you. Next question. The more I train, the more hungry I am. So I feel like I'm never actually in a deficit to see weight loss progress. How can I do better? So this is common. When you're in a caloric deficit, hunger levels are going to increase. So I think first and foremost, you have to kind of accept and understand that hunger or feeling a little bit of hunger throughout your day is not necessarily a bad thing or not something that you have to act on like it's an emergency. We live in a time where food is readily accessible, literally at the snap of our fingertips. We're not going out and hunting for our food. So, you know, learning to live a little bit with that hunger throughout your day is where I would start there, but also making sure that your meals are balanced, you're getting enough fiber, your meals are higher volume and lower calories. So you're eating a lot of those veggies and lower calorie foods to keep you full, um, as well as drinking water. So I think there's two ways that you have to kind of think about attacking the hunger. When is the right time to adjust macros? So it again, a lot of these answers are completely individualized. So my philosophy is you want to adjust your calories as infrequently as possible unless you're in a reverse diet. So when you're in a deficit, you want to keep your calories as high as possible for as long as possible. When you're bulking, you want to keep your body sensitive to those calories and don't shoot it up too much where you're gaining more weight than needed. Um, And you're also not getting to a point where you have to consume so many calories that you're just stuffed and you feel like crap all day. So I recommend just tracking your progress over time. I say over the course of two or three weeks before you make a decision, if weight is stalled or progress is stalled in any way over two or three weeks, as opposed to just immediately changing it after one, that's when you can kind of evaluate, okay, it's time. The other side of things is biofeedback. So if hunger is crazy high, if you're not recovering well, if you're not sleeping well, it might be time to make an adjustment there. Um, So you just have to look at it from the bigger picture and 
evaluate everything as a whole, you know, from that longer duration. Give yourself time to adjust. If you're in a deficit, you're going to be hungry. That doesn't mean you have to adjust your macros. Give yourself time and look at it from that bigger picture. Yeah, I think this is one of those things that a lot of people struggle with and kind of jump the gun on, especially if you're in charge of your own macros and you don't have that objective eye of a coach to help guide you. Um, we see clients have who have done it all the time, and then we'll even get clients asking like, oh, what, we're, what, we're not adjusting our macros this week? And they don't really understand, like it's not something that you need to adjust every week. So if you are working with a coach or if you're working with yourself, you don't need to just adjust them for no reason at all. We want to always diet down on the highest calories and you want to, like Josh said, make sure that if your goal is muscle gain, you're doing so from an efficient manner. And this kind of parlays into the next question what is reverse dieting so reverse dieting is essentially slowly increasing your carbs and fats total calories over time to increase your metabolic set point so what you can maintain those um, what you can maintain your weight on so we have a lot of clients come to us who have been under eating for months if not years mostly women but some men too and they're just not in a place to continue fat loss because we can't bring their calories any lower. So the best option for these clients is to reverse diet them back up to a sustainable intake, hang out there for a little bit, and prime their body better for fat loss in the future. How can you burn fat and gain muscle at the same time? I want to lose my stomach fat but also make gains. <clears throat> so this is a, a body comp change phase that we're talking about. It's more difficult and it's slower than just cutting or just bulking. Um, it's just a slower process because your body has a hard time doing both efficiently. But essentially, you're doing this at maintenance. You go to your maintenance calories, maybe even slightly below that where you're not really losing weight, but it's kind of trending down over time um, and focus on progressing within your training. Again, if you're not progressing, you're not building muscle. So your calories have to stay high enough where you are able to do to uh, to fuel your your workouts the right way, um, but also low enough, and you're doing enough, you know, as far as caloric expenditure to create fat loss. And I would argue that unless you're a newbie to lifting or complete beginner in all forms, I would suggest you focus on one versus the other, like one at a time. So if you're someone who's new and you're a beginner you will see body recomposition without really having to adjust your intake that much. Um, but if you're more advanced, I would focus on either setting goals of fat loss first and then follow that with muscle gain or vice versa and really just prioritizing one. I'm following my calories correctly, working out and sleeping well, but not losing any weight. Why? You are not in a deficit. Or I want to remind you too that weight loss isn't equal to fat loss so just because the scale isn't going down that might that doesn't mean you're not seeing progress um but there are a lot of other things that can impact this likely though the reason is because you're not in a deficit so you can be following your calories correctly um and this kind of goes back to what i talked about before there's not one magical set of macros that you're going to follow for the rest of your life if one set of macros that your coach gave you three years ago worked for you and you try to do it again this year and it doesn't work well yeah it's not going to work your activity level is probably different things have changed so you kind of have to reassess where you're at adjust your calories 
into more of a deficit if need be, and then pay attention to all of those biofeedback factors. Yeah, weight loss and fat loss are not mutually exclusive, um, but when it comes to losing weight, if you're not in a deficit, you're not going to lose weight. When it comes to fat loss, again, going back to a body comp change phase, that can happen without losing weight. So I would take progress pictures, pay attention to how your clothes are fitting, uh, how you're feeling, how you're performing in the gym. Same deal, if you're working out all the time but you're not progressing, you're not creating those changes. So just because you're following your calories and just because you're working out doesn't mean you're gonna see progress. You have to be doing these things you know, the right way. How can I maintain an appetite to eat enough food? So this is kind of the opposite of the question that we answered earlier about hunger. Um, and this is something that a lot of our clients who are increasing their calories, whether it's through a reverse diet or a bulk, kind of struggle with. It just feels like so much food, even if it's not that much um, in retrospect. So what we suggest is to kind of do the opposite of what we recommended before. So you never want to let yourself get to that super hungry level. But on top of that, you also want to focus on meals that are more calorie dense and less volume. So they're not going to fill up your stomach drastically just from eating a few bites. So things like, I don't know, what were the go-to items that you did or that you ate when you were bulking, like smoothies, your oatmeal smoothie? Why don't you talk about that? It's tough. Like for me, it's different because when I'm well into a bulk, when I'm you know, 215 pounds plus, I have to consume close to 4,000, not 4,000, 5,000 calories a day. Um, so to eat that much without the volume making me sick, it's, yeah, there's some smoothies involved. Um, it's just lower, lower volume, higher caloric dense foods and just kind of figuring out what I felt best with. A lot of those were like self-weight, self-made weight gainers, um, where I'd do a shake and I would do a ton of blended oats and some peanut butter thrown in there. So it just comes down to playing around, figuring out what you feel best with and realizing how to incorporate that consistently. And I think too, like as you're increasing your calories, your body is going to eventually adapt as you are consistent. So you have to kind of get uncomfortable and push it a little bit at first, but go into it with the mindset that your body will adjust and you kind of just have to trust the process. RPE confuses me. How do I know where I'm at and if I can go heavier? So RPE scale, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is rate of perceived exertion. Just a scale of 1 through 10, with a 10 being absolute failure. And by failure, I don't mean, okay, this is getting pretty hard. Failure is you couldn't do a single rep after that 10 if your life depended on it. So 10 is absolute failure. 9 is one rep short of that. 8 is two reps short of that. 7 is three reps short of that. The only way to really get dialed in is to take a set to failure. Um, so let's say you know you're doing 225 for 10. You try to do 11. Your spotter pulls it up. 225 for 10 is your 10. So let's say your RPE is eight. Maybe you take that down to 215 pounds, and you do that for the, for those amount of reps. That could be an eight. You just have to play with it, and it's not going to be perfect. But the concept with that is you want to be within one to four reps of absolute failure. So that's where you're you're creating the most adaptation, that's where you're building muscle, that's where you're building the most strength. If your your intensity is lower than that, you're not doing enough to force those adaptations in most situations. Um, so how do you know if you can go heavier? The RPE scale is designed directly to tell you that. So with our clients, we have them actually document their last set rate of perceived exertion. So after that last set, let's say it's for bench press, 
they write down what it actually was. So if their goal is an eight, but it ended up being a nine or ended up being a seven, or maybe it was a 10, they'll write that down. And that tells them where to start for that following week. So if they finish that last set at a 10, they might want to drop the volume, drop the, the weight down a little bit. So they're not hitting that, you know, that failure, failure threshold um, within each set. But if it was like a six or a seven, they know that their strength is improving and they can increase the weight. All right, you guys. So that wraps up this week's podcast. That was an awesome Q&A, and I hope that you got a lot of quality education from that. We will be doing more of these because I feel like they just give you guys the most educational content that we possibly can. And we used to do these on YouTube, but I feel like they just go so much better on the podcast. Um, So we'll keep them coming. But this weekend, we are celebrating Kai's first birthday with a small group of our family. Um, I hope that wherever you're at, you are staying safe and continuing to follow your state's guidelines, but also doing what it needs to be done for your mental health. This last few months has been really stressful for all of us, literally the entire world. So if progress has stalled with whatever your goals are, or if you just feel off, give yourself grace and remind yourself that we're all in a really hard time right now, and hopefully it will start to get better soon. And with that, we're going to sign off. So if you want to follow along on social media, I'm at Josh Skutnik. I'm at Alessandra Skutnik. And our business is at SD-Evolution. We'll talk to you next time.